0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. We're gonna start this because we're live. As of a few seconds ago, joining me is Biggie, uh, one third of the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Uh, we've got a lot of requests for some. We've we, we've been rotating our co-hosts. We get a lot of our guests from MMAfighting.com, Pizza Carroll, Alexander, Kaylee, Danny Segura, and all that. We had your eye favor on, but I noticed a few. Uh, I think it was a couple months ago. Biggie, you posted some of the podcasts you listened to, and the A-side was on it, so I naturally had to reach out to WWE to see if you would want to be on it, so welcome, and uh, hope you have fun on your A-side debut. Yeah, I
1: appreciate it, man. It's a pleasure. Thank you for uh, putting out a killer
0: podcast Hey, man, I'm just trying to do my thing, but as you know, we, we are, I don't set the questions. The questions come in from the fans, whether it has to do with MMA or... Sometimes we talk about whatever they want to talk about, but I've gone through them. I don't know if you've gone through them. We've had a myriad of questions specifically for you. We Some people, I think, it's, it's refreshing to hear non-MMA journalists speak about MMA or fighters speak about MMA. They want to hear the fans speak about MMA, but before we get into that, you're a big fan. We were talking before you called in. Uh, where did this love for MMA start
1: with? Um, well, I guess, like, I was, you know, in college in the mid-2000s, we all, like, in the dorm to watch The Opener Fighter, and like, that was how, that was kind of as a casual fan, and uh, I almost like hate to admit this, but my love the last like three, four years has really been reinvigorated because of the video game. So we started uh-huh. playing U 2 in, in the locker room, and it was like, that was the thing. There'd be like, like half the locker room was playing this game on a daily basis, and uh, that really got me to start watching UFC regularly. Uh, and then I realized that this is, I love college football too, but like right next to college football now is, is my love for, for MMA. So I got ESPN Plus because of uh, all the UFC cards. Uh, I'm on I'm listening to like three or four different uh, MMA podcasts, including yours, so thank you for that. Uh, but it's incredible, and I have such a, a great respect for the for fighters, and for what they do, and that mentality. And I've also like run across, there's also this cool parallel between wrestlers and and uh, fighters. There's so many uh, fighters. with are for wrestling fans, and so many of us in the locker room, we pro wrestlers, who are really into MMA. So honestly, like, one of my favorite things to do is to come back on on Tuesdays. Uh, Jack Gallagher, one uh, of the cruiserweights, uh, is a big MMA fan. Is I see him, and we'll talk about the past card. It's like it's like a UFC card every week now. Yeah. So there's so many of us. Like that's that's the thing in the locker room is to talk about cards and kind of match up so we geek about we kind of fantasy book too and, and so yeah there's so many of us who are we're big uh, MMA fans in the locker room
0: well I, I actually ran into Jack Gallagher at a Bellator event I think it was the the Pitbull Michael Chandler one when Michael Venom Page got knocked out by yeah. Douglas Lehman he was there and I ran into him and he did MMA didn't he is that right? He did
1: he's had a few fights and uh, I'm, I don't want to spoil anything but feel like he's, he's possibly maybe looking into doing both what we do, WWE, and also fighting, which I think would be really cool. But that's I think it's all up in the air. But yeah, man, he's, he's definitely had some fights in the past. And I think he, he trains in Orlando I think at the same uh, gym as uh, Bruce Spencer.
0: Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, because uh, that same card, uh, your former co-worker Jack Swagger fought on that, that MVP. Yeah, Halo yeah. One. That's,
1: that's one reason I ended up I we on the road at the time, but I remember bus, bus, we're all uh huddled around a computer and really uh, just Pumped to see to see him do his thing, but yeah, we're we're all uh, rooting for him too, and we all like we know he was an All-American at Oklahoma. Yeah, and when you're in the ring with someone, you can tell like oh, you're legitimately strong. And uh I always thought like he's a guy who would do well just with his damage background.
0: And well, we we've got a lot of questions about Jack, and we've gotten a few questions about some other MMA fighters that most recently got into the ring, not in your promotion, but in another promotion uh and then another and then another guy has a big up-and-coming fight against the ufc hall of famer in another promotion i'm sure we're going to talk a lot about that but uh the questions are coming in rapidly so we're going to dive uh right in all right so first question uh, we're also on reddit so if you have any questions on reddit all right biggie specifically for you if everything he owned was on the line who would you choose to fight alongside you against against francis and ganu in an mma fight oh god
1: uh i want no parts of that um I, uh, maybe can maybe be a fictional character like the Juggernaut? I need someone massive. I
0: mean, um, you could. It also says who would you who would you choose on the current WWE roster to fight alongside you? Um,
1: uh, I guess Brock Brock is the most. I mean, that's kind of the
0: obvious answer. Yeah, that's what everyone so, says. I'm, all the comments are like, oh, he's just going to say Brock. Yeah, but that that's, that feels cheap. Uh, also, I guess Bobby Lashley is trained as well. Yeah, and he's all
1: massive human being. Uh, I think he's trained at, at uh, ATT for a while.
0: I think he's still. He might still be there. I know he did some other stuff in another promotion, but he's he has a lot of legitimate wins under under the Bellator banner for sure. Right, right. So I, I, the
1: the Brock one feels cheap. I'll go. I'll go with Bobby. Bobby. Yeah, but I don't. I want no parts of Francis, man. It's crazy to see him. It feels like he's knocking guys out with these glancing blows, just and and like top level guys, top five guys in under a minute. So it's been cool to see his resurgence since the uh, Derek Lewis fight. He's been on a, on a roll the last three fights.
0: Well, I was going to ask you about that question specifically because I think it was a couple years ago you brought up Derek Lewis. Someone asked you, would you do MMA? And you were like, I don't want to get punched by Derek Lewis. And then I think the very next fight, he had that fight against Francis Ngannou. Uh, watching that, what was going through your minds when you're watching, like you said, Francis Ngannou prop, like, on record being the hardest hitter in UFC history, possibly human history, against Derek Lewis and goes to a three-round snooze fest.
1: I was shocked, man. I, so I actually listened to, uh, so Rogan was talk. I listened to, uh, like Rogan talk about the fight before, before the fight, but I listened to it afterwards. And it's funny to go back and hear how much anticipation there was. And we were all like, this is, this is the fight. This is going to be a slugfest. And, and, in retrospect to listen to those comments. And like, I, we all like, I remember being in the locker room. I think I had probably a conversation with Jack about the same thing. Like, this is, this is going to be a barn burner and to see two guys, do nothing uh was was pretty uh mind blowing. So I, yeah, I I couldn't believe that one. But obviously, you know, like Francis talked about the fear after the Steve A right. fight. And uh Derek obviously the issues with his back. Uh but it has been really cool to see you know Francis kind of bounce back from that. Because I was worried that it would be the beginning of the end for him. But man, the Blades fight, the Kane fight, the JDS fight looked incredible.
0: And what do you so and then Derek Lewis actually has his next fight booked at usc two forty four Madison Square Garden. He's gonna be fighting Black Ivanov uh, yeah. So the last time he fought at Madison Square Garden is when he lost to Daniel Cormier. Though another a, a bit who's a big fan of your product, I hope I mean, he might be watching. But uh, what do you think about Derek's shot against Black? I have a former World Series of Fighting heavyweight champion.
1: Right, right, right. I honestly haven't seen a ton of his stuff. Uh, I mean, uh, it's it's hard to to root against uh, Derek Lewis. Right. Uh, but uh, I remember uh, I've seen a couple of the boy, I just I think the couple UFC fights he's had. Um, but yeah, it'd be nice to see Derek Lewis bounce back. And uh, yeah, DC, I actually met at this, at Staples Center. He comes to shows. He's a, a huge wrestling nerd, such like the nicest guy. Uh, and he's another guy that that's very easy to root for.
0: So, and he has a big fight. We have a couple friends, obviously, about that. But he has a big fight coming up with Stephen Miocic the people want him to fight for the winner of that to fight francis and but you have the john jones trilogy out there if stipe does win there's a possibility of a trilogy with stipe miocic another big heavyweight trilogy if as a fan do you do you like the idea of a third john jones daniel Cormier fight whether it's at heavyweight or light heavyweight john jones is technically 1-0-1 because that third fight is that second fight is no contest uh, yep. daniel Cormier would have to drop back down to light heavy back to light heavy which he hasn't done in a while he is the heavyweight champion. Should John Jones go up to light heavyweight, claim another belt, or would you like to see them run it back at their the light heavyweight?
1: Man, I'm I'm really on the fence uh, because I don't know why DC at now he's forty now. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he'd want to make that cut again. It seemed like a really difficult cut. He seems a lot happier, and the power he has uh, at heavyweight is incredible. Uh, I think he's still undefeated at heavyweight, right? Correct. Because he's never
0: the only person he's ever lost to ever is John Jones.
1: Is John Jones right? Right. Uh, but in the same vein. Uh, I also want to see Francis get get a shot, too, depending on what happens with, with Stipe and and, uh, and DC. And there's so many different options, man. I I wonder if, because apparently Bones doesn't have a hard time making the cuts. Not so at not, all. I, I don't know how much does it do him any service to, to move up to heavyweight. Uh, there's, there's so many different options. Uh, I'm really on the fence with that. I guess, ideally, I think seeing Bones and, and DC at heavyweight is just new. And for the trilogy, the fact that uh, you know they've never done it at heavyweight. I mean, it's, I, 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 I mean it, that's a big fight. It's huge.
0: So if if that fight does go down and it is at heavyweight, a lot of pe- a lot of people consider now Dana Cormier the pound for pound best. A lot, some people consider him the greatest heavyweight ever because he is undefeated. There is a question over, and I know our comment section hates these conversations, but because you're new, so we have to ask you. Uh, it seems to come down to who the greatest fighter of all time There's usually like a top five. J- John Jones is up there, George St. Pierre, Demetrius Johnson, these guys. If John goes up and beats Daniel Cormier at heavyweight, is that enough to just cement him as the greatest fighter who ever lived? Because to me, in my mind, I think right now it's George. He's, he, he's avenged both his losses. He has two belts, and he, he's, he's done everything. He wants to fight Habib. As for a legacy fight, as an heath, is like, I'll just fight him for, for. I don't need the bell. I'll just fight him because I want to. If John beats Daniel Cormier at heavyweight, is he the greatest fighter of all time?
1: Ah, uh, man. I'd say, based on resume alone, I want to say yes, but then you have the asterisk with the uh, PD stuff. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, George's on record with, just you know, George is such a, a clean guy, like across the board and, and so respected. And, like, he, he never had any of those hiccups. It's uh man, and I I hate these debates. Usually, I I like enjoy I like listening to them. I hate contributing to them. Whether it's hip hop, I enjoy because it's it's so subjective. There's different eras. Um, man, that if he beats if he beats DC a third time, that would be hard to argue against.
0: I couldn't agree with you anymore. But we just had a question come in, uh, not related to John Jones or Daniel Cormier. Uh, what's your prediction for how Tito Ortiz versus Alberto Del Rio will play out in Combate Americas?
1: Uh, we were actually, uh, I, like I was talking to maybe Jamie Noble about this yesterday, uh, and he's another MMA guy yeah. uh, who works as a producer with us now. Uh, it, it's so it's such an off-the-wall. I, I just did not expect this, and then it was announced. Uh, man, it, it's, I'm intrigued. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, I also don't want to be in a position where I'm like, you know, talking about a former co-worker in a negative light it's hard i'd have trouble picking against tito if, if being forced uh i wish you know both alberto the best but uh it's a real zany fight i don't i don't know what to make of it uh
0: it's it is zany but alberto alberto does have mma record uh, like a uh, pass like he fought miracle Krokop. he got head to yes. by miracle Krokop. oh
1: yeah, yeah we're all quite a, you know well aware of that uh in, in a hood too of all things in his you know, prime you, you want to have you know your whole like peripheral bit. you want to you know being under a hood for that is, is nuts but uh yeah you're right and, and i think he's uh wrestled on the uh, mexican national team i think
0: he as well if, if, uh i think and i might not be 100 i think he actually made the mexican wrestling team for the 2000 olympics but they didn't make the olympics so he didn't compete at the actual games but he does have history um me personally it's it's like you said it's a zany fight I don't really like the rhetoric going on between them. I don't know if you've been following it on social media, but it's very much got very political based on Tito Ortiz's beliefs and Alberto being of Hispanic background. Not a big fan of that, but that's just my personal take. But it's, you saw what Colby Covington, we were talking before, Colby Covington, you saw how he's doing. He's got a title fight co- soon. And I don't want to say he talks himself into in that fight, but he's now one of the must-see fighters on the UFC roster.
1: Yeah, well, it was crazy to hear that I think uh, he was close to being cut. He had like a five fight win streak and had no buzz whatsoever. Yeah, and he's he started doing this gimmick, which is clearly inspired, you know, from our industry pro wrestling. Yeah, uh, and, and a lot of people like it's, it's clear to me that it's stick like you get that it's a gimmick. Um, but it's, it's putting him in a position. Uh, and he's backed it up like the, the RDA fight to see. The amount of pressure he was able to put on RDA and then do the same thing with Robbie. I couldn't, like, the pace is insane to me. I, I, doing that for 25 minutes uh, where you're setting a record for for thri- strikes thrown and also attempting almost 20 takedowns yeah. is incredible. So uh, he's also backed it up as well. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's really... Um, I'm on the fence with that stuff too because I get selling fights. I get you want to uh, bring eyes to stuff, but some some of the stuff just becomes real vitriolic, especially with, like, Khabib and Connor where you're talking about religion and families and it gets to the like where's the line
0: right well and i think colby too I, he knows he's playing a part and i've seen him outside interacting with the fans and to his credit he lives his character like you see him on the streets of las vegas during fights he's wearing his his red hat he's walking around he walks around las vegas with his belt still uh someone comes up to take a picture of them he's all smiles but he lives his gimmick, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, and He's got himself a title. Not an easy fight against Kamaru Usman. A lot of people think they're a uh, very similar style matchup. But I think this is a perfect segue because we actually have a question on the MMA fighting site. Uh, it says, from our friend Lucian, uh, first of all, don't either of you dare be sour on this finest of Wednesdays. Before anything else, just wanted to write, write that I'm a big fan of the new day, and the, what you, what the three of you have done, have given me a lot of entertainment, both with promos and matches over the years. So sincere thanks for your work, and may the power of positivity continue to shine on all of us in the years to come. But now to the question: After Covington's superb performance last week, and it feels like a given, feels like a given that the next welterweight championship match will be Usman versus Covington. So I was curious after seeing such great fights from both of them who do you favor in that match and why also considering what we saw from Covington from the promo side on Saturday how much are you dreading the seemingly inevitable ugly build for that fight and I think what you were saying is a perfect segue uh, I don't know if you've watched the post fight like interaction so yeah and, it, and
1: sometimes sometimes I'm um, Sometimes yeah, I got other things to do, so like I watch the post fight. And sometimes, but as soon as Kobe won that, and and Cam- I knew Camaro was on the desk as well, yeah. I flipped straight over to ESPN Plus and made sure to watch the post fight. Uh, and I was it was disappointing because it's just a lot of they talked over each other a lot. It was I don't know. I, I think it, it could get ugly in in a way that that's not entertaining, which is mudslinging, and I I don't know. So. Uh, as far as a favorite, man, their styles are so similar that grinding, we're on you, uh, wrestling, pay—it's really hard. It feels almost like a coin flip. Uh, personally, I just—I don't want to see Kobe be be undisputed. Just just, <laughs> yeah. the post he's going to cut all the Trump stuff. I just don't want to see that happen. But I can't take away, you know, anything from him as as a fighter, as an athlete. Uh, it, it's a it's a fight that I think uh, a lot of people really anticipate it feels like a coin flip
0: for me uh, honestly I agree and in those type of fights I tend to favor the champion especially because I think in my mind Kamaru Usman's win over Tyron Woodley was more impressive than Colby's win over Robbie. not because Colby's wasn't impressive but Tyron was the champion and he was coming off that stunning KO over Darren Till and I think that whole week I don't know anyone that picked Kamaru Usman to win I think there were a lot of people that picked Colby but I don't think and if you did pick Kamaru I don't think you picked him to dominate Tyron Woodley, so exactly. I don't know if you watched that fight. What did you did you pick Tyron Woodley going into that fight?
1: Oh, of course, I picked Woodley. I, I thought like the conventional wisdom was that his wrestling would negate mm-hmm. Car- Camaro's, and I thought he was clearly a better striker. Uh, you know, Camaro I don't think has a ton of uh, knockout wins, uh, and I thought Woodley would be able to touch him enough to to hurt him uh, and be able to take away the wrestling. And that was not at all the case. I was like watching the entire thing wide eyed because I couldn't believe it. And I kept waiting for, for Tyron to, uh, okay, here, here's Tyron of old. And, and no, he was just able to, to grind him for 25 minutes. And that was, it was uh, supremely impressive, but I did not expect that at all.
0: Yeah, and, and Kamaru does come from that, that wrestling background, him and Ben Askren, who's again taking pages out of your your world quite a bit. Uh, he actually took to Twitter and apologized for losing to Jorge Masvidal because he's like, I want to apologize because because I lost, you the world has to watch Colby Covington and Kamara Usman uh, go back and forth. So fair play to Ben, but Kamara Usman trains with Henry Hoof, trains with Tyron Spong. So he's training with elite level strikers to get on. He's, he, he'll admit he's not on their level, obviously. But if he can mix that type of striking with wrestling, I tend to favor Kamara over Colby Covington, and that'll probably happen in Madison Square Garden too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it makes sense, too. And it seems like uh, Camaro's made some real leaps and bounds with striking oh, yeah. uh, as well. And, uh, and Kobe's pace is incredible, but you also really didn't see him throw anything with any like, you know, fight-ending intention. It's a lot of just, just touching Robbie. So, uh, you know, I, I think his only path to winning is a decision. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if Camaro can knock him out either. But, uh, you know, it's, I, I think you're right. If I had to give someone an edge, I'd probably give it to Camaro.
0: And this isn't a question, but it seemed to be after that Jorge Masvidal, that five-second knockout, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about on this, when he knocked out Ben Askren, he was calling for a title shot. It seemed like because it was so fresh, everyone just goes, like, not, you set the record for fastest knockout, you should probably get a title shot. But we had to wait. But then after that, we had to wait and see what happened between Lawler and Covington. Now that Covington won that dominantly, and it seems it's very obvious that's the next fight. At Ma- most likely Madison Square Garden. If you're Jorge Masvidal, do you fight Leon Edwards, who he got into that backstage scuffle with when he did that three-piece in a soda? Is that the next fight for those two? Maybe on the same card.
1: Yeah, I feel like, it sounds like that's not a fight that Jorge wants right now, except nope. like, I think he's even talked about uh, getting the title fight next or waiting until the winner of Colby and, and uh, Kamaru. Um, but man, it's 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 just feels like it's kind of written in the stars, you know, with their interaction, the, the three piece in a soda, like it's the story's all there. And Leon looked incredible in his last outing, man. He, he's one of those guys too, I think, because he's fought so much in the UK a lot of times, yeah. on cards that uh, I mean, they're not pay-per-views, a lot of people aren't really paying attention to. And he's looked incredible for a while now, um, against Cowboy, against RDA. He's put on these really sharp performances, uh, to watch him, I couldn't believe the fact that he he decided to grapple with with, uh, yeah. with Gunner, and I'm just like, what what are you doing? And and he like grappled Gunner like I did not expect that. So so to see a guy who's that well-rounded, who's that sharp in his striking, his wrestling, his jiu-jitsu, uh, man, I, if I'm Jorge, I I don't think that fight does a lot for him as far as moving up the ladder. But it's a fight I really want to see, and it's it's a dangerous fight for him as well.
0: It's a 100% dangerous fight. And Steven Thompson actually said the exact thing you said. We spoke to him at UFC 240. He goes, I think Leon Edwards, because I think he's on an eight-fight win streak. And his last loss, I think, was to Kamaru. And that was like maybe his first or second fight in the UFC. They were both very young. I think he's been on a tear since. But he said I think Leon's biggest detriment is U.S. fans just don't know who he is. Like he's putting on these great performances. He speaks well. He beat Cowboy in Singapore. I think that Singapore card kind of hurt him too because that was like three in the morning our time. So not a lot of people didn't get – a lot of people didn't get to see it. But a three-round fight as opposed to a five-round fight I think favors Jorge Masvidal. If it was a five-round and and Leon could wear him out, I I would slightly favor Leon. But I think Corey Masvidal is calling for that Conor McGregor fight too. Uh, Jorge, so Jorge versus Connor, I'd be all about. He also wants to fight Nick and Nate Diaz, so he's looking for these big money fights. But title shot for him first. Yeah, no, and
1: rightfully so too. Uh, you know, he's really put, him, put himself in a position uh, with the Till knockout and with the, uh, the Ben Askren knockout, where he's he's you know such a, a hot name right now. So like, I might as well cash. If he can't get that title fight, I think it's time to, to cash in for him. And I don't know the Leon Edwards fight for for us like. MMA nerds feels big, but I, I don't know, you know, it's it's not a I don't think it's a money fight.
0: It's I, it's for sure not a money fight. Um but the welterweight division is so and Steven Thompson's coming back, he wants to fight Rafael Dos Dosinos on that. Matt square garden card two. Uh, robbie Lawler's out there ben ashman supposedly fighting damian maya in a, this big grappler versus grappler match if damian maya wants to continue fighting but the welterweight division is and we haven't even talked about nate diaz and Ant versus anthony pettis is at welterweight like if, if if whoever wins that they can throw their name into the title shot because they're both so popular anthony pettis knocked out Steven thompson uh what do you make of nate diaz versus anthony pettis though UC 241 nate hasn't fought since his second conor mcgregor fight at ufc 202 back in i think august 2016. so he hasn't fought him in three years and now he's coming back
1: yeah i think there's a lot of excitement for that to see how sharp he'll be um also i really like this new like pettis and his resurgence where I, I think his last like three fights announced i just did not expect <laughs> at all like yep. uh the stephen thompson fights like that that seems odd uh but he looked great there, um, so I, I just kind of like him taking on these these big challenges out of nowhere and, and moving up to 170, uh, so I'm really intrigued, man, I, and uh, it's just one of those like you just want to see what happens, because I have no idea, I don't know how, how sharp Diaz would be after the layoff,
0: and uh, I'm really excited about seeing that matchup. And historically, I think Nate's obviously his best weight class is lightweight. uh, It's when he fought. But he hasn't fought at lightweight in a while. His last two fights were at welterweight. He was supposed to fight Dustin Poirier at UFC 230, the last Madison Square Garden card before that fell off. That was going to be a lightweight. But he's lost to a lot of good names at welterweight. But he's also beaten a lot of good names at lightweight. So I'm a little surprised this is at at welterweight. I just don't think he wants to cut that weight anymore. uh, Which is fair play to him. I don't like to see anyone cut that much weight before they're fighting to hydrate their body. But... Moving on, uh Johnny Walker versus Corey Anderson. How do you guys see this playing out? If Walker wins, how many more wins to a title shot? If Anderson wins, will he get overlooked for a title shot again? So I don't know if you saw, but Johnny Walker's obviously been making big waves in the UFC, knocking out everyone and celebrating and all that stuff. Corey Anderson has been in the UFC for a very long time, former ultimate fighter winner. Dana kind of put him on blast after that UFC 240, uh at the UFC 240 press conference is Corey's been calling for a title fight. And he said, Corey Anderson has turned down 50 fights. There's no way he's fighting for the title. And within a week, he's fighting Johnny Walker, which is, I think is one of the most dangerous fights you could take. Uh, what do you think about Johnny Walker's rise? Corey Anderson, his, it's Corey Anderson's chances against what he calls. Uh, he said, I wanted to, I wanted to dethrone the King. The UFC wants me to halt to train that. Those are his words, not mine. What do you think of this fight?
1: Uh, I agree with you. I think it's a very dangerous fight for Corey Anderson. I, I, I worry for him, honestly, uh, just because Johnny Walker is so explosive uh, and uh, he, he he talks to him about not being able to show everything he can do. So like he, he hasn't really had to, to demonstrate that he can stop a takedown. I think Corey's problem uh, will always be he's not going to put on the most exciting fights. You know, yeah. he, he's a wrestler who's just going to grind you and wear you down. Uh, some solid boxing, but, but nothing that really jumps off the page. Uh, and I think Johnny Walker is so exciting. He's such an interesting personality that with the performances he's had lined up, as long as he stays away from any other shoulder injuries due to dancing, I think, I think he'll be on pace, uh, to have a title fight within the next year or so. It's just the dancing that he's got to watch out for, which honestly, in my line of work too, the dancing is often what gets you. So uh, he's got to be careful there.
0: Well, I think he he has that it factor. I remember when we saw Israel Adesanya's UFC debut; he just has that charismatic, flashy style. And Johnny Walker also is very adamant that he wants to learn English so he can connect with this this the, the U.S. market. He hasn't. John Jones isn't quite impressed yet. We spoke him at UFC two thirty nine. He's I think Johnny Walker six five. I think he's as tall as Alexander Gustafsson. So that's a, like. Looking at them, they match up great. But John Jones wants said, I want to see him fight an elite level competition because his words were, if I fought these guys, I would be doing the same thing. I just fought Tiago Santos for five rounds. Let's see what Johnny Walker can do against Thiago Santos for five rounds. But Corey Anderson has, has lost violently to Jimmy Manoa and Ovin St. Pru. So I, to me... You favor Corey Anderson? I, he, he has two wins over former top five fighters at the time. He beat Glover Teixeira, share who was in the top five, and he beat Ilya Latifi in the top five, but he also got, like, he, he went to sleep against Ovin St. Preux and Jimmy Mano, and so it's a it's a tough fight. I, I'll i slightly favor Corey Anderson, especially in the three-round fight, though.
1: Yeah. I, I, my, my thing, though, I, even if Corey gets gets a, a pretty solid win, I, I don't know. It, it's obviously going to depend on how his performance looks, but I just don't know if he's going to be able to generate enough buzz to... To get the next title fight, and then again, again too, it, it it kind of depends too on what Bones decides to do. If he does take the DC fight, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, and honestly, I, I know the Anthony Smith fight wasn't that long ago, but he's looked really good as well. And I don't know where he's at now, but he's I think he's got to be top three. Uh, I don't know what his next fight is, but I, I you know, I, I think he's gonna have trouble getting that Bones fight again soon, but. I, I think he's going to be a hard guy for any of the contenders to to get through.
0: Well, I think Anthony Smith has just had surgery, so he was out for a little while. I know if Luke Rockhold had won, they wanted to fight for. They hate each other. They've been right. on the MMA Hour our old show many times, just throwing heat at one another. And Anthony Smith said, "I'll fight Luke Rockhold like tomorrow in a parking lot." Like so, he doesn't care. But we also have people aren't talking about it, is Chris Weidman's coming up to light heavyweight. In fighting right. Dominic Reyes, who's also one of these young up-and-coming light heavyweights. You have Alexander Ratchik, who's just who just sent Jimmy Manuel into retirement. So yeah. there was a point in time I remember where light heavyweights seemed to be very shallow, where you had all these like thirty to forty-year-olds kind of dominating, like the Shoguns, the Gustafsons, all these guys. Now all of a sudden, there's this massive influx of youth. Uh, so I agree with you, Corey Anderson. If he wins impressively, he should probably get the title fight. He did confront John Jones at an autograph signing. So he's trying. He's trying He's trying to generate buzz. But I don't know if he can pull off a decision. But then, like, say Dominic Reyes head kicks Chris Weidman at Boston. I don't know how that's going to play out.
1: Right, right. Or if Weidman jumps the line, too, with, with a solid win, that's very possible
0: as well. Right? 100%. They've always wanted to fight for that quote unquote king of New York. Uh, what do you think of that fight between Weidman and Reyes? It is a five round main event in Boston.
1: Yeah, um, honestly, I, I didn't know if uh, Reyes won the, uh, the Ozemir
0: I agree 100%. And
1: I, I was kind of underwhelmed. And obviously, like, Ozemir is not an easy out. Uh, I, I just haven't been – he's been on a great – I think he's, he's strung a lot of wins together. But uh, I haven't really been overly impressed with, with Reyes' uh, run. Um, but, it, you know, I guess based on where he's ranked and, and Merritt, if he gets another win here over a name like Weidman, that maybe he deserves the next shot, I just – I. I don't know, and then who knows how Weidman reacts moving up to 205 as well. So that, that's an intriguing one as well, just to see uh, that. So I, I really have no idea where that one when goes. Uh Weidman's been out for a while. I Can't remember his, his last uh, fight UFC, UFC
0: 230 when he lost to Jacare. When he was winning that whole fight, and then Jacare knocked him out right at the end. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm intrigued. I, I don't know. I've, I I'm gonna I have to favor Reyes. He's a big guy. I don't know if you've ever like seen him around other people, but he's a He's a very large human, and Chris Weidman's big, too, but he's not the biggest for light heavyweight. I mean, you saw what happened to uh, Luke Rockhold when he moved up to light heavyweight. So for every Anthony Smith and Thiago Santos right. we get, we get a Luke Rockhold who broke his jaw against Jan Blachowicz.
1: Exactly. And I think Ray has also played college football. Yeah. Uh, Stony Brook or something. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So together
0: he's hyper-athletic. But we're going to move on from a longtime listener and commenter, Eduardo Bueno. Uh, hey guys, can you rate Kane Velasquez's pro wrestling debut last weekend? I'm not much into pro wrestling for me, but it's hard to judge. So it's hard to judge. But to me, he looks sensational. Also, can he become a superstar in the Mexican market? How far can he go? Cheers. So, yes, Big E, I don't know if you saw, but former UFC heavyweight champion Kane Velasquez dipped his toe into your world down in AAA. Uh, he teamed with Cody Rhodes and Psycho Clown. I thought he looked pretty good for someone who's never wrestled before, but it I don't know what you thought as someone who lives in this world. So I, I
1: saw the first few minutes of the match and I was I was floored. I was wow. I expected, because you know Kane is a wrestler, I expected some impressive suplexes. I thought they'd string him along slowly, but to see him doing lucha spots and uh, running ranas was incredible. So I, I was really impressed uh, with what I saw. I know uh, a year or two ago, I think during his hiatus, he went down yeah, to the performance center. Yep. Uh, and trained a little bit, and I heard he was a natural. And like so many of those elite wrestlers, just pick up, and grapplers too, like Ronda, yeah. uh, with, with her judo background, just pick up what we do very easily. Uh, and I'm excited to see what what Kane does. Uh, so it was really cool to see his, his performance at Triple Mania. I think really impressed me. Well, that's another thing we talked about yesterday uh, when I was at work. Uh, yeah, I was I was thoroughly impressed, and I think if he wants to, I don't know how long, how much longer he wants to fight, or how much he wants to, you know. Make pro wrestling a living, or even if it's just a hobby. But I think uh, he seems to have caught on very quickly, and I think he'll do very well if he wants to.
0: I agree. I was looking back at all the professional like these athletes that have transitioned in like recently in my mind. Him, Ronda, D'Angelo Williams was very impressive when he did made his professional wrestling debut. Um, so those three blew me away. Uh, I'm trying. Oh, Kurt Angle obviously is I think the one that everyone points to, but. I, I hope he doesn't leave MMA entirely because there's a lot of fights I just personally, as a fan, want to see him fight. I, I would be very disappointed if we never got to see Kane versus Stipe. I think to me, that's a, like Kane fought Francis in the first UFC on ESPN card. That was actually here in Arizona. Me and my former coworker, Sean Shadi said this feels like it should have been Kane versus Stipe. <clears throat> Stipe had just lost to Daniel Cormier. Cain Velasquez is his teammate. He probably wasn't gonna get the title shot next. Now he obviously has like hindsight, but we thought it should have been Cain Stipe. Are you in that boat? Bo- are there fights that you, would- that you want to see Kane take? Or has he done enough to cement himself in the, in the minds of the UFC fans? Uh,
1: I guess I often think now, especially as I get older, I think uh, like, as a performer or uh, as an athlete, I- I'd like to see him do what- whatever he wants. Sure. What makes him happy, I think of that side. As a fan, though, I'd love to see him fight again, especially because it, it felt like I don't know if we got robbed is the right way to put it. But it felt like with, with the Francis uh, fight and, and like the, like we didn't know if his knee buckled or, for, you know, it was just kind of it was just the way everything turned out was kind of murky. It, it didn't seem like a proper return. And I would love to see him. I think I love the Stipe fight. If Stipe doesn't get past DC, I'd love to see that fight because it seems, you know, they're... Heavyweights were kind of out of the mold of what you expect a heavyweight to be. Yeah. As far as cardio and boxing, and they could kind of do it all. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think that's a tremendous fight. Uh, but also, like, you know, he's, he's been fighting for a while, and if it makes him happy to, to do, you know, Triple Mania and do Triple A shows and uh, and do something a little different, I think that's cool as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of torn. I think of it, as, of it as a fan, and I think of it as a performer as well. Then, and kind of, you know, what what fulfills you? So I, I think of both sides.
0: I think in for a long time, people kind of pointed to him as the greatest heavyweight ever. After, like I, in my mind, he kind of leapfrogged Fedor with that trilogy against Junior dos Santos, where he he famously knocked. Jr. out at the end, and he he looked great, but then we just lost him for a long time. He lost to Doom. He looked. He threw a spinning wheel kick against Travis Brown at UFC 200. That caught everyone off guard. And then Fedor returned in that Bellator Heavyweight Grand Prix and made it all the way to the finals before he lost to Ryan Bader. But I think right now it's like him, DC, Fedor, Stipe, it's like this big four, and for Doom, we can't forget about for Doom. He's been everywhere. It's this big four or five way for heavyweights. Randy Couture obviously is up there, but where do you sit? Who do you think is the greatest heavyweight of all time? Because like this would be, if you fought, you would be a heavyweight, obviously. I don't think what? you're cutting down to 205 pounds. No, I don't, I don't think dropping
1: 70 pounds is possible right
0: now. So I, in my mind, I think right now it's still Fedor if Kane can come back. or it's, it's Fedor or Stipe in mind. Stipe does have the record for most consecutive title defenses in UFC history. Knocked out yep. JDS, knocked out Alistair Overeem, which is, which is very b- bizarre to me. Uh, who do you think is the greatest heavyweight of all time?
1: Hard to not say Fedor. I think if Fedor had retired a few years ago, i yeah. we have seen him take uh, a few losses of the last few. It kind of starts to deteriorate the conversation. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's so hard to say because I, I think I'm intrigued too. If if DC and Kane were never teammates and DC stayed a heavyweight, maybe he, maybe he's clearly you know the goat at heavyweight as well. So. Uh, there's just so many options, man. It's hard to really pick one. Uh, yeah, Fedor, I know. If forced to pick one, I'd say Fedor.
0: I agree. And I actually spoke with Justin uh, Buckles when he was here cornering Cynthia Calvillo, and I asked him that very question. He said Fedor by default, uh, or Kane, but he thinks Daniel Cormier if he gets through Stipe. It's hard to argue. I mean, who, he's never lost a heavyweight. He's. He's. I think de- like if if he wasn't teammates, like you said, he would be a heavyweight all the time I think we'd have DC longer because he wouldn't have had to make that cut to 205 so often Uh, so I think DC I think DC's the most talented heavyweight ever but in terms of legacy I'd probably say Fedor I agree so but moving on from our friend SJY Trash Talk does the audience perceive trash talk differently in WWE than MMA? So you obviously speak a lot uh, in your world. You're on the mic in front of a live audience. Oftentimes you're in front of, what, 70,000 people at WrestleMania. What is the difference, I guess? Can you tell when a fighter is being phony? Like if you think Colby Covington is putting on an act, but then you get Jorge Masvidal, and what you see is what you get with him. That is how he is all of the time. So what, what do you prefer and what do you think sells fights?
1: I think when it feels most genuine, I feel like it, people gravitate towards yeah. it more. Uh, I know like Kobe's really uh, getting people talking, but uh, I feel like it. Did, I feel like even his post fight stuff and the cringy Matt Hughes comment, I yeah. feel like it doesn't uh, really get people's attention as much as Jorge's uh, three pieces in a soda mm-hmm. comment or his post aspirin comments because. It, it just draws you in when it feels like no that's not a character that's how he really feels and like I, I believe every word Jorge says i Kobe i don't and i really feel and same thing like when when connor was talking i believed every word yeah. i believed he, everything he said and i feel like people gravitate towards that more and i think you know Kobe's done well for himself and i think when he you could tell it's a stick uh and even like chail was a was a great talker uh but even then like it's like oh, okay he's really good at this gimmick but I still think it's a gimmick. Um, I still don't think it grabs people's attention as much as like a guy like Jorge or Connor when you believe every single thing that's coming out of their mouth.
0: So one man you didn't bring up, and I have to ask you about this, he's got – he calls himself the greatest combat sport athlete alive of all time. Henry Cejudo, the king of cringe as people call him. Uh, what do you make of uh, his thing? And he's – I was speaking to him at UFC 238, and he said, "Well, this is an act, guys. Like, I'm not always like this." And like to me, I hate that. Like, if you're gonna do the cringy thing, just stick with it all the time and don't try to pull the curtain back. Am, am I crazy on that?
1: No, I, I agree. Like, it's it's uh, it's keeping kayfabe. That's what it is. You, you, know, you Keep the gimmick going. Like, if you're gonna commit to it, you commit to it. And it's one thing, like, let it down around your friends when you're home, whatever. But if this is your gimmick, do it. But in the same vein, I, I think this is, this is obviously getting people talking more than if he did nothing. So I give him credit for, for trying something, but it's so clear, like, pulling a, a, a fake snake, yeah, yeah. And like, it, 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 he's trying, and I commend him for that, but it is it is cringy, and it, it's very, you could see through it. But again, like, it's better than doing nothing.
0: And at the end of the day, he still went in and stopped Marlon Moraes who I thought was the best bantamweight alive. I thought he was going to be the champion. I picked Marlon by stoppage, and Henry Cejudo did it with one leg and stopped Marlon Moraes, which was, I think, one of the most impressive things I've ever seen live at an event.
1: Yeah, I I, I had Marlon winning that, too. Uh, I I was really surprised uh, to to see him pull through, especially that first round. Marlon looked really good, and then to see Cejudo do his thing uh, was, was pretty incredible.
0: All right, and we're going to hop over to some Twitter questions. One specifically for you. Which MMA fighter, past or present, would be most suited for the New Day?
1: Oh, um, uh, I think it'd have to be someone who's kind of goofy, so I'd probably go with Johnny Walker. Really? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's got – that just exudes charisma.
0: One of the tweets in response said, uh, I would love to see Derek Lewis doing your hip things.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I'd be into that. I don't know if that's uh, up his alley, uh, but I, I'd be into it.
0: I would be – I think Derek Lewis is one of the bigger – is one of the bigger stars in the heavyweight division just based on uh, uh, his demeanor and how – he's one of those other guys. It's very much what you see is what you get. But uh, moving on, another question from Twitter. I don't know if you saw Holly Holmes returning, rematching against Raquel Pennington on that big UFC 243 card down in Melbourne, 60,000-seat stadium. The exact stadium she was in when she knocked out Ronda Rousey, all those – at UFC 193, I believe – uh, what do you make of Holly Holm's last fight against Amanda Nunes? A lot of people, they seem to complain when she gets all these title fights, but I kind of group her in the group of Frankie Edgar, where when she gets a title fight, it just it, it makes sense just because of how she can beat anyone, but she kind of falters a lot when she's in these these big title fights. So what did you think of her last performance against Amanda Nunez, the greatest female fighter of all time, and what do you make of her uh, rematch against Raquel Pennington?
1: It's uh kind of a fight I didn't expect. Um, as far as the Nunes fight, I just don't know if anyone is beating Amanda right now. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's really uh like too like a shot at, at Holly at all. Uh, and I think she she's someone who probably beats everyone else in the in the top, you know, five easily you know, top, you know, two to fifteen. But it's just Amanda is is just you know, uh, she's in her own league right now. Um, but I, I think that the Raquel Pennington fight is a nice opportunity for her to bounce back. I don't really know where she goes now. I think she's had, what, three title fights? Uh, uh,
0: she's had a lot. She's lost to uh, Amanda. She's lost. She lost her belt to uh, uh, Misha Tate. And she lost to Cyborg. So she's come up. The people she's losing to aren't, like, pushovers. She's losing to the greatest female fighters ever. Right. Oh, right. and Jermaine Durandamy, the first featherweight title fight that people right. always forget about. Yeah. Right. Yep. But,
1: yeah, man, I... At, I she's hard to root against man. I, I, I'd like to if she wants to keep fighting I'd love to see her keep fighting. I just don't know if there's another path to a title at you know 135 or 145 any any time you know near future.
0: I agree it's good but she's one of those fighters she wins two in a row and they need a last-minute filler because Amanda has talked about wanting to be a mom if she doesn't want to fight anymore I feel right. like Holly's gonna be right there yeah. for that title fight but we've had a lot of questions in the same vein on all platforms would Biggie ever consider doing BJJ or MMA or anything like that? I know a few wrestlers do it a little on the side, but would you ever want an actual MMA fight?
1: Uh, not a chance. Not, <laughs> I am an entertainer. I try to tell people that. I, I first of all, I'm I'm five eleven, so I have no reach whatsoever. Sure. Uh, um, and I like I wrestled my last time. I like, do any like any kind of martial art? Was I was a high school wrestler and a state champion, in but it's Florida as well, which doesn't really have <laughs> the best pedigree. Sure. Me. For ice wrestling. Well, we had some good athletes, but this is when I was 17. I am now 33. There's no chance whatsoever. I think if anything, like, you know, when I think my, you know, my wrestling days are over and I still want to do something, like, it would be kind of fun to maybe learn some, uh, learn jujitsu or, or do something like that to kind of stay active uh, and have some fun. But uh, beyond that, there is no way I want to have a career. I... I'd say my profession is tough, but I am not a tough
0: guy. I'm really am not. So. If you were, because I know Goldberg's been out, said this, The Undertaker said this, and The Rock has said this that if MMA was as big of a deal as it is now, when they were coming up, they probably would have done MMA. What about you? If 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 MMA was a high se- a high paying gig when you were say 17, winning the state championship, would you have even considered it back then?
1: Uh. Not really, honestly. Like football, actually, football was always my dream. That sure. was kind of my, and I just had a bunch of injuries playing, you know, college football, and then you know, trying to transition. And, and guys do it, but after two torn ACLs and a broken patella, a uh, torn left pack, then trying to get into something uh, like fighting, I just I don't see it. But I mean, there's the thing is, our our industry really uh, there's just a lot of like guys who come from these elite wrestling backgrounds or or you know whatever it is. So there's a lot of guys who I think are really capable. Uh, there's so many guys that we get now who uh, were on the Olympics. Like Chad Gable uh, yeah. is a guy who was uh, an Olympian. And uh, we have so many guys like that, not quite that level, but guys who have uh, a martial arts background or, or who were legit at one point. Um, but for me, that was uh, you know kind of never really a real consideration.
0: Well, we got a question from, from Abdel Riff. All right. According to Ali, Ali Abdel, Frankie Edgar's manager, his next fight will most likely be at bantamweight. But my question is, who would you like to see him fight first? I think him and his son would be a great test for Frank to see how good he is at bantamweight because I still think that might be his best weight class. So, yes, I'm sure you watched UFC 240. Frank Edgar came up short against Max Holloway. So I'll, I'll pose this twice. Is Frank – should – Do you think Frank Yeager should drop down to bantamweight? This would be his third weight class. He's one of those guys we talked about where I think he's going to get a title shot no matter where he is. And what did you make of his fight against Max Holloway? Uh, A lot of people had Max just running away with it 50-45 across the board. Uh, But, yeah, Frank Yeager, your thoughts on the answer, future UFC Hall of Famer? Uh,
1: I I guess if he can – you know, he's he's not the biggest 45, uh, but I always kind of – Wonder if, if guys, as they get older, if, if dropping down is a smart decision. Um, but if it's something that he feels like he can handle, um, I'll The Sun Tau fight, I think it's a great fight. Uh, I agree. I Sun Tau is coming off a loss or two. Yeah. Uh, but it's still, a, you know, a very uh, a tough fight and something that, that would intrigue me as well. Um, I, I thought, I had Max winning the fight pretty handily, but I thought the rounds were all fairly close.
0: Yeah, and I, 100%. It wasn't,
1: it wasn't Kobe and, and uh, Lawler at all. It wasn't that dominant, like, Oh, he's clearly winning every round. I didn't think it was that. Um, But you know, Max just with his his crisp boxing, his takedown defense. I feel like his is people just kind of forget. Like he's just very hard to take down. Uh, I I thought Max like clearly won the fight, but close rounds as well. Um, But yeah, man, it's. I'd be intrigued to see Frankie at 135. I just don't know um, making that cut. You know, I I still think he beats a lot of guys at 145
0: if he wants to. I agree, and. I think 135, because Frankie did not cut any weight at all when he fought a lightweight. He cuts, obviously cuts to 145. I think 135 pounds would be the first weight class that Frankie would actually feel the weight cut. Like he would feel sucked out. But selfishly, I would like, there's a lot of like like, imagine Frankie Edgar versus Dominic Cruz. Like that, the footwork in that fight alone would be something to behold. So there's a lot of fights I would love to see Frankie fight. Uh, But what are your thoughts on uh, Max Holloway, uh, Max Holloway's run at Featherweight? He did come up short to Dustin Poirier on that Atlanta card, which many consider one of the greatest title fights ever. But I think it was overshadowed by the co-main event between Israel Adesanya and Calvin Gastelum, which blew me away. Uh, Is Max Holloway the greatest Featherweight ever? Max Holloway doesn't like to call himself that, but I think right now it's between him and Aldo.
1: Yeah, it's it because he although twice, and, and really it's it's easy to, to put him in that category. But uh, Aldo also had a ridiculous run uh, at 145. Uh, it's I'd like to make this call like in another year or two, and not now. Uh, I'm also biased, man. I met actually I met Max. We had a show in Hawaii a few years ago, and he brought his son, uh, and he was like the nicest, most down to earth guy. Uh-huh. We actually played uh, UFC, and he actually beat me. Uh, which is a little embarrassing, so I, I love that game uh, <laughs> Like to meet him as soon as I met him and like hung out with him and his son uh, I, I just like it's hard for me to like to, to say a, a negative word at all about Max. So just based on I gotta say I'm biased so I probably if, if being forced would have to put, you know, Max as the, as the greatest right now But uh, I'd like to see you know the
0: Volpanovsky fight. Yeah, that was gonna like, be my next continue. question.
1: If he can continue to like to clean out that division, but I don't think the, the Volkanovski fight is, is a gimme at all. I think Volk, Volkanovski is very tough, uh, and I uh, got a guy who can grind you, can you know strike well. I I, I like that fight a lot, and I think it's a challenge. But I, I'd love to see, you know, even though it'd be kind of cool to see him hold the 55 title and the 45 title, which he tried to do um, with the Poirier fight. I'd love to see him just try to clean out the division. Um, and there's this guys like. Zabit, who's still, I don't think, in the top five yet. He actually, that's five. another
0: question. He's fighting Calvin Cater in the co-main event at UFC Boston. And those two guys are both very young, and they're both rapidly ascending. Uh, Korean Zombie supposedly wants to fight Brian Ortega in a fight I've been asking for for about six years now. And then Jeremy Stevens fighting Yaya Rodriguez in the main event of that UFC Mexico City card. So there's no shortage of contenders at Featherweight right now.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So I mean, I, I'd love to see just him stick at forty-five, and I know oh, he's talked to about like he's made some. Like, they sound ridiculous to me at like one day fighting at like like heavyweight, just kind of yeah, portable.
0: yeah. He keeps calling out Daniel Cormier. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, Which is like he just. I think he just has that mentality of a guy who just wants to go take on any challenge, which I think really endears him to fans. Um, but I, I honestly, selfishly, if he can continue to safely make the cut at forty-five. I'd love to just see him like take on, like you said. There's just so many great matches at 45, uh, and I'd love to see him just kind of, you know, take on every challenge there is.
0: I think the only thing that will stop him from doing that is he does not have the easiest cut to 145. And I know right. Max hates when we bring that up, but I just think it's he, it's a reality. He fell out of that fight against Brian Ortega days before the fight, and he doesn't look great getting on scale, but he makes it every time. So if he can keep making it and doing it healthy keep doing it. But if you watch the UC240 press conference, someone asked him, would you fight Volkanovski in Australia in October? He said, I've done three five round title fights in seven months. I want to go get my brain checked out before I even think about fighting in October. So he's doing the right things. He had his son up there who you thought, he goes, I have a son. I'm not fighting if um, until my brain's hundred percent healthy.
1: Right. And, I, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, he's taking that approach. Uh, and just to like some of this, this, the comments that he's made, um, just about like he just handles everything so well and, and graciously, and I think he's a great representative of the sport. Uh, so, it, especially with what we know about CTE and and that stuff, it, it's cool to see him like take a level-headed approach. Because as fans, we're like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see the Volkovski fight mm-hmm. in Austria. that would be incredible. But I'm glad he's looking out for himself and, and doing what's best for his family.
0: Well, we're coming up on a little bit of time, and obviously I could talk to you for hours about MMA, but I don't think people want to hear me talk about MMA. So there's a few big title fights coming up, so we'll just, I'll just name them down for you. Your thoughts, you can give a prediction if you want, you don't have to. Uh, we talked about Daniel Cormier versus uh, Stephen and we talked about Nate Diaz versus Anthony Pettis, but Habib versus Dustin Poirier in Abu Dhabi for the undisputed lightweight title. Habib has said, this obviously isn't as big a fight as Connor, but he's he, he respects Dustin Poirier very very drastic change of of uh, promotion from the last fight Habib had with Conor McGregor with the bus throwing and everything. Uh, what do you think of that fight? Uh, you can give a prediction if you want. It's going to be in Abu Dhabi, uh, so I consider this enemy territory for Dustin Poirier.
1: I agree as well. Uh, it's man, I feel like every fight Dustin goes into, people kind of sleep on him, and then you watch like, oh, that guy's incredible, and then he goes in the next fight and he kind of do the same thing. But it's also Habib, man, and I. I just don't know how you you stop the, the relentless takedowns, the, the ground and pound. Uh, I think you'd have to give the, the edge to Khabib. Uh, and he's a guy who's never lost. Never, like yep. Yeah, I'm blemish. So uh, it's it's an incredible fight, though. And I'd love to see if you know if Dustin can even like slow the takedowns at all. But, uh, yeah, I'd I, I go with Khabib there.
0: And I think our, our cameraman, Casey Lydon, said it the best when he was on the A side is everyone keeps talking about can Dustin Poirier stop the takedown? I don't think that's the question we have to ask. I think it's can he stop the takedown and then stop another takedown and then stop another? Because you stop one, there's probably one coming right after. So it's, 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 yeah, he has to do what no one has ever done in his life, and that's a beat Habib Nergam made up. But uh, Adesanya, uh, Robert Whitaker and Israel Adesanya fighting on that Marvel Stadium down in Melbourne, that 60,000 seat. Uh, stayed in. Robert Whittaker hasn't fought since he his his win against Yoel Romero in Chicago, and I think beating Yoel Romero is the most impressive thing a middleweight could do. And Robert Whittaker has done it twice, and I don't think his body is ever going to be the same after those fights because those two were wars. And yep. we saw what like I think Luke Rockhold said: kicking Yoel Romero is like kicking a fire hydrant. Like it just, it hurts you when you kick him. Like you can land a yeah. kick to his ribs, and it hurts your foot. So he beat <clears> him twice, but Israel Adesanya just looked uber impressive. That win against Calvin Gaslin blew me away. What are your thoughts on that fight?
1: Uh, man, it's an incredible fight. I love Israel as a personality and as a fighter, and I think he, he brings so. As a fan, I love watching him speak. I love watching him fight. I love what he brings. Uh, if forced to pick, oh, man, I Whitaker's just, like you said, just so tough. Uh, his chin is incredible. Uh I feel like he'll he'll have the edge as far as power, um, but man, it's it's a great fight and it's cool. Like I love that they're doing it in Australia. Sometimes we we'll see missteps with fights like that where, where it's clear it should be in Australia and for some reason we're doing it elsewhere. But I'm I'm glad that fight is being made there. Uh, if forced to pick one, I'd go with Bobby Knuckles. Also, I don't know why he doesn't lean into that nickname. It's an incredible nickname.
0: I agree. Yeah, well, he said uh, that he doesn't like he lives on the other side of the world and like sometimes fans talking he just doesn't hear so he came to america and he's like what is what is bobby knuckles like where did this come from
1: it's great i love it uh but i, I love that fight as well man and it's, uh that's a that's a huge fight and one i'm really excited for
0: yeah i i, I can't pick that one yet that's so this i like it israel Adesanya has, this is the longest time he's had off between fights in the ufc like he fought in november and then he goes, I think I'm going to go on vacation. And then he fought in February against Anderson Silva. And then he's like, I think I'm going to go on vacation. And then he fought Kelvin Gastelum in Atlanta in like April. So this is the longest we've seen without – this longest we've been without Israel Asanya. If he's coming in with no, like, nicks or bangs or anything, I don't – I favor the most – the more active fight. I mean he's fought like six times, five or six times since Robert Whitaker's last fight. So, but – I didn't think Robert Whitaker was going to be Jacare. I didn't think he was going to be Yolo Romero the first time. He's one of the like you said, Dustin Poirier. Every fight he's in, I think people kind of overlook him. But So I, I think that's a coin flip for me right now. Right, right. I agree. And then one final one. There is a title fight this weekend that no one asks about. Valentina Shevchenko is rematching Liz Carmouche for the women's flyweight title. The last time we saw Valentina Shevchenko, she was – Sending Jessica I into the ether with a head kick. Uh, what do you make of that fight? And is, and can, does anyone in the women's flyweight division pose a threat for Valentina Shevchenko?
1: No. <laughs> uh, and I was, I, so I guess Liz Karmouche, I believe, has won over Valentina. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but that was also eons that ago. That was a very a long while. time ago. Um, I, it was a very strange fight. I didn't. I didn't expect it to be made. And I guess 125 also is not the deepest division. Nope. So I'm not even entirely sure. I think uh, Tatiana is out with an injury, maybe.
0: Tatiana is at Strawway right now.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, uh, forgive me. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think of who else is, I, who else is at 25.
0: There's Roxanne. There's uh, 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 Jennifer Mai is in that one uh, Sajara Eubanks, have, I think jumped up to 120 or no, she's at 135. now. So yeah, 125 is not the deep okay, I mean, think- I think Kalen Chukagin another one, Jojo Calderwood. Like, I think right now it's in that similar to when Ronda arose up, like you get two wins in a row and all of a sudden you're fighting for a title. Right. Right.
1: I, I just don't, uh, it's an odd fight, but I, I guess when you kind of run down who else is at 125, you know, I, what, who else are you going to make? Um, I, the the thing that intrigues me i know they fought before but i would love to see amanda and valentina again um
0: you're telling me man you're telling me
1: but it honestly feels like if if valentina decides to stay at 125 that feels like a division that she'll own as long as she wants to uh and like decisively i she's just so so technical with power uh she and she does everything um yeah I, i don't I don't see this one, the Liz Carmouche fight being close.
0: I think the only thing is Lauren Murphy spoke with Dennis Segura on our site, because she just won at USC Newark, is that Liz Carmouche is the strongest female, female fighter she's ever experienced in her life. She came damn near close to beating Ronda Rousey in that debut when she had that that she had that backpack rear naked choke in before she got uh, not bit on purpose but it was like over the mouthpiece. It was more of a pain choke rather than a submission but she came right. damn near close to becoming the women's bantamweight champion at UFC debut. She's one of those fighters I think that could be anyone and I am very intrigued by that fight. Home Vincente Luque and Mike Perry. Mike Perry doesn't really like me but I and our former coworker Sean El uh, thinks Vincente Luque is the most Underrated fighter on the entire UFC roster. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I think that is a is a barn burner of a welterweight fight.
1: Yeah, I agree. That uh, Luke uh, Barbina fight
0: was oh incredible. God. That was unbelievable. Uh,
1: yeah. So, I, I'm I'm all in. Mike Perry's one of those guys. Uh, who's just he's going to want to brawl yeah. uh, I know he when he spent some time in, in Albuquerque I think he he kind of got him to I think settle down a little bit and be a little bit more technical um, but, but I, I feel like that'll be a barn bro. I, I think it's a great I
0: believe like, great he's, he's back in Florida now training with like Jacare Sosa and everyone so I think he did a couple oh, right. of camps with Albuquerque and then he went back so but I kind of like seeing fighters bounce around kind of uh, Overeem has famously done that he changes camp like everything because he, he's trying to accrue all of these skills so I slightly favor Luke in this fight though I agree. Well, we're pretty much out of time, and you know how the A-side works. Uh, you get to talk, say whatever you want to the fans at the end. I know you guys have a big pay-per-view coming up on Sunday. So, Biggie, I think you've done one of these before, but the promo is yours, my man.
1: Yes. Uh, it's pretty much uh, my PR guy would kill me if I did not plug SummerSlam. When SummerSlam is coming up this Sunday in Toronto, it's going to be an incredible show. Uh, the Scotiabank Arena, I believe. <laughs> uh, but it will be incredible, make sure to come out. My my childhood idol, Goldberg, will be in action. That's pretty incredible. Former, uh,
0: uh, former uh, I believe, Elite XC MMA commentator, Bill Goldberg.
1: Ah, <laughs> MMA plug, I like it. Uh, also, my man, uh, Kobe Kingston, will be in action against Randy Orton, defending his WWE Championship. That will be incredible, make sure to watch that. And it's uh, the biggest show of the summer, so, so make sure to watch SummerSlam. Um, yeah, that's that's it. I got to make sure to plug SummerSlam and uh, they would kill me. It's on the WWE Network, which you can accrue right now. You can acquire it for only, I believe, it's still $9.99 a month. Get the WWE Network. It's incredible. What a great library. We have original programming. We have shows like 205 Live with so much great wrestling. We also have the old collections from ECW and WCW. Make sure to buy the WWE Network, please, so that all the people that pay me will be pleased with me. And will allow me to do more of these things. So, there's my plug for WWE SummerSlam. It's coming up this Sunday, Toronto.
0: Watch it. And former UFC heavyweight champion Brock Lesnar, I believe, is putting his Universal title on the line against uh, what? The captain, Seth Rollins? The
1: captain, yes, yes, yes. Of course. I
0: could. <laughs> yeah. So, big, big, big SummerSlam coming up. And for my plug, I just want to say UC Uruguay is, is low key an unbelievable card. I, I mean, Demetrius Johnson was one of those dominant champions that was so dominant I think a lot of people thought he was a little boring and I they almost got rid of a division because he was too dominant and I think we're in the makings of seeing that with Valentina Shevchenko I think she's really going to be one of the more she's going to have a long title reign in my mind and it's always fun to see the genesis of these title reigns so that's my plug watch UFC Uruguay because it's low-key unbelievable but for Jose that's one-third of the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Champions, Biggie, Biggie, anytime you want to come on, I'm always down to talk MMA with you. I think our audience, I was scrolling, scrolling through the comments, they're like, I can't believe Biggie watched Vincente Luque and Brian Barbarena fight. So I think I think you caught people off guard with your MMA knowledge for sure.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much I actually know, but I I, I watch much every card. Uh, I love it. And thank you for having me. It a lot of fun. I don't Absolutely, know why hear me talk about MMA but I love
0: doing it so thank you for me. absolutely man and with that we'll be back next Wednesday I'll be in Anaheim for UFC 241 I don't know who my co-host is going to be but you can stick around on our site and all that fun stuff we're gonna hopefully we get some fun Nate Diaz sound clip is for you guys but for Jose that's Biggie